We turn in God's Word this evening to Psalm 119, starting at verse 73. We will read verses 73 through 96 of the 119th Psalm. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn Thy commandments. They that fear Thee will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in Thy word. I know, O Lord, that Thy judgments are right, and that Thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me. Let, I pray Thee, Thy merciful kindness be for my comfort, according to Thy word unto Thy servant. Let Thy tender mercies come unto me that I may live for Thy law is my delight. Let the proud be ashamed, for they dealt perversely with me without a cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. Let those that fear thee turn unto me, and those that have known thy testimonies. Let my heart be sound in thy statutes, that I be not ashamed. My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Mine eyes fail for thy word, saying, When wilt thou comfort me? For I am become like a bottle in the smoke, yet do I not forget thy statutes. How many are the days of thy servant? When wilt thou execute judgment on them that persecute me? The proud have digged pits for me which are not after thy law. All thy commandments are faithful. They persecute me wrongfully. Help thou me. They had almost consumed me upon earth, but I forsook not thy precepts. Quicken me after thy loving kindness, so shall I keep the testimony of thy mouth. Forever, O Lord, Thy word is settled in heaven. Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. They continue this day according to Thine ordinances, for all are Thy servants. Unless Thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in mine affliction. I will never forget Thy precepts, For with them thou hast quickened me. I am thine, save me. For I have sought thy precepts. The wicked have waited for me to destroy me, but I will consider thy testimonies. I have seen an end of all perfection, but thy commandment is exceeding broad. That's where we read God's holy and an errant word. May God add His blessing upon the reading of His holy Scriptures. The text that God gives us unto us to consider 
this evening is the 84th verse. How many are the days of thy servant? When wilt thou execute judgment on them that persecute me? Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, this text contains, does it not, the cry of an individual who has lived through great many troubles on this earth. These are not the words of a child, a teenager, or even that that normally would come forth from the lips of a young adult. These are the observations and the heartfelt cries of someone who has had many, many years upon this earth. It's the cry of an individual who has seen that this earth, according to Ecclesiastes, is vanity of vanities. It's emptiness upon emptiness. It's the cry of an individual who has been hurt. Even hurt wrongfully. It's the cry of an individual who has endured persecution at the hands of others. And in that moment, as he reflects on his life, he pleads to God, how many? How many are the days of thy servant? You and I make this cry. By faith we make it. As we look ahead to the start of a new year, how many, how many more years will Christ tarry? How long before the church is taken to heaven? How many days? We'll first see the psalmist's State, consider his condition. Second, we'll see the evidence of faith in this question. And third, we'll see then the psalmist's inquiry. Look at the nature of his request. How many days? The psalmist's state, his faith, his inquiry. The psalmist acknowledged that he was but a servant. That's the way he identifies his state 
on this earth. How many are the days of thy servant? To speak of being a servant is to speak of being in a relationship. And in this relationship, there is one who is greater and there is one who is lesser. There is one who exercises authority. There is one who is under that authority. The psalmist acknowledged that he was, in this relationship, the one inferior. The one under the authority of God. How many are the days of thy servant. God was the Almighty. God was the ruler. And David, as David stood in relationship to God, was the one whose will was to be subservient unto God. David had, or rather the Lord had the right to tell David where and how he must live his life. So all of David's life long, he was but a servant. Growing up in the household of Jesse, David was the youngest of all of his brethren. And as the youngest, it was his duty as the servant to go out and watch over the sheep on the hillsides. As David grew up, as he advanced in years and in stature and in wisdom, and in power, many things changed in his life, but one thing remained constant. He was still God's servant. Even when David was exalted to the highest position in the land of Israel, even when he was king and had at his disposal perhaps the most powerful army on the earth, at that point in history, David remained servant. How many are the days of thy servant? As it was true for David, so it is true for you and I. We are God's servants. He gives unto us a post, a position that we have on this earth. And it is our duty as God's servant to be faithful in that position that He has granted unto us. Servant. One of the masters that rules over us is time. Is it not? How many are the days of thy servant? Each succeeding day marks the passing of time in our lives. And is it not the case that time continues forward whether we want it to or not. We're powerless to stop time. 
Sometimes our feelings toward time change. Sometimes time can't pass by quickly enough. When we're in a difficult season of life, when we're going through a trial, we wish that time would go more quickly. When there's something that we are eager for, something that we are anticipating, then it seems as if the time drags as we anticipate that. Other times, through occasions in life, it seems as if time goes by far too quickly. When we reflect uh, as elderly parents when we had young children in our homes, oftentimes that's the lament of older parents that I wish I could have had more time with my children. Time. We are but servants. And time continues on its forward march whether we are happy or dissatisfied. We have as much ability to slow down or speed up time as we have the ability to change the sun as it goes through the skies. How many are the days of thy servant? Further, David acknowledged that he was a persecuted servant. How many are the days of thy servant? When wilt thou execute judgment on them that persecute me? To persecute, the idea of persecuting here means to follow or to pursue after someone else. Not following after them in the sense of a loving and genuine concern for them and thus a desire to be with them so you can help them and bless them and strengthen them, but instead a pursuit of someone that has evil intentions. How long until thou wilt execute judgment on those that persecute me? We think of Saul who pursued, who followed after David, even as David hid in the dens and caves of the earth. Pursuers of David, we think even of his own family members, his son Absalom, as Absalom pursued him out of Jerusalem and out into the woods. How long until thou wilt execute judgment on them that persecute me? Persecution and suffering, is that not oftentimes what characterizes the life of a servant? If indeed we are God's servant, and not the devil's servant, then of this we may be confident there will be persecution. Jesus Christ, the Son of God sent into this world, lived as a suffering servant. Isaiah 53 He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, 
And we hid, as it were, our faces from Him. He was despised, and we esteemed Him not. How vain is the hope of the man of the world that he can avoid suffering in the future. Is that not why so many enthusiastically bring in the new year? Because at last, this year is done and all of the trials and hardships of last year are done and I can with optimism look ahead to the future, says the man of the world. And I have this hope that things are going to improve upon this earth. And then the proponent of common grace chimes in and says, yes, as long as the church and the world cooperate and hold hands and unite together, there can be advancement on this earth. And the theistic evolutionist comes alongside and says, yes, things are going onward and upward. Things are constantly improving on this earth. Just wait. Things will get better. Then comes the psalmist. How many are the days of thy servant? Oh, when wilt thou execute judgment on them that persecute me? It's one of the few things that we know we will face in this coming year. Suffering. For as long as the curse remains on this earth, it will remain. How many days? What this text emphasizes is the inability of the inspired writer. We see his inability to change his position on this earth. He was a servant. God's servant. All the days of his life. And further, we see his inability to render appropriate judgment unto those who had hurt and afflicted him. And remember who's writing this, the psalmist David. He's the king over Israel, the most powerful man in the land. And here this powerful king cries out, confessing his own inability and his dependence upon God. Oh, when wilt thou execute judgment upon those that persecute me. Are we not oftentimes as well struck with the sense of our own inability? How often is it not the case that we cannot change our position in life and we cannot render appropriate judgment to those who hurt 
us in our lives. As the mother toils in the home, she labors as the servant of the home and of the family. And she is oftentimes struck with the reality that her position for as long as God is pleased to have her on this earth will remain unchanged. And she must be on guard against bitterness because of that. How often is it not the case that the father, as the father labors outside of the home to provide for his family is struck with the overwhelming sense that he is a servant. With his wife, he is servant of the home and of the family. And in addition, he is servant of his employer. And the Scriptures teach his master over him. And the father, struck with the overwhelming sense of the fact that he is but a servant and will remain a servant for as long as God is pleased to have him on this earth, must be on guard against bitterness. A foolish as well is it to be envious of the neighbor. We noted that David here confesses his inability. Inability to change his position and inability to render judgment to those who persecute him. How, en- how, how foolish it would be then to be envious of the neighbor. Oftentimes, we imagine wrongly that if only we could be like the neighbor, if only we could have the success of the neighbor, if only we could have the financial freedoms or liberties that the neighbor has, if only we had the power, the influence of the neighbor, well, then we would set things straight and then judgment would be executed. But behold, David, the most powerful man in Israel. And he cried out to God for help. How many are the days of thy servant? We do well to consider what motivated the psalmist in asking the questions of this text. And we must be careful not to misunderstand why. For it would seem, if we were only to give a cursory glance to this text, that this is the grumbling of a dissatisfied, unhappy, hopeless individual. It almost seems as if the cry of this text arises out of unbelief instead of out of conviction of faith in God. It almost seems as if the words of this text come forth from the lips of a bitter, upset, cynical 
person who has given up on living to the glory of God on this earth anymore and simply cannot wait for that day when he is off of this earth and then God can execute judgment on all of those who have hurt me. So I say we must be very careful here in properly understanding the motive of the psalm. Asking the question, how many are the days? Well, it is true that this text does have application for those who are hopeless, for those who are downcast, for those who are depressed, and even for those who might be struggling with suicidal thoughts. We must know that the psalmist David, as he asked the questions of this text, did not do so out of unbelief, but faith. Faith in God compelled him to ask. Two different evidences of faith that we call your attention to. First, we see faith in how the psalmist identified himself. He called himself God's servant. How many are the days of thy Servant, and who would claim to be the servant of God except for the individual who believes in God, who loves God, and who trusts in God? The man of the world would never claim that he is the servant of God. A man of the world, if he's being honest, would claim that He is God and that He worships and serves Himself and that His whole life is spent in the pursuit of His own happiness and of His own satisfaction. But the fact that the psalmist acknowledged here that He is not sovereign in His own life, but there is somebody else who has greater, even absolute authority over Him, indicates that there was faith inside the heart of the psalmist. The second indication of faith in his heart is the fact that he did not seek himself to execute judgment on those who persecuted him. He did not take that matter into his own hands. This is one of the ways in which the devil works so hard to get a grip on the hearts of even the faithful by having them be filled with a desire for revenge. You hurt me So now I want your hurt. Lord's Day 2 teaches us that we are by nature prone to hate both God 
and the neighbor. But it's clear that the psalmist, although he lived in the Old Testament, understood the New Testament truth taught in Romans chapter 12. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. The psalmist relinquished thoughts of exacting personal revenge against those who had persecuted him, but instead submitted this matter into the hands of the Lord. That's faith. Faith directs our questioning hearts along with the psalmist unto the God who is able. Faith in God does not mean that we may not, must not, acknowledge the difficulties which belong to this present life. The psalmist acknowledged those difficulties. How many are the days of thy servant? Oh, when wilt thou execute judgment against those that persecute me? Strength of faith does not mean that one will never feel tired. That one will never feel concern about the future. That one will never feel overwhelmed as they shoulder the responsibilities that God gives unto us in our post on this earth. At times, the faithful child of God does cry out with the psalmist, how long? How many are the days, God? How many are the days of this trial which is in my life? How long will this sickness, this affliction of the flesh, this cancer, live in our home? How many are the days that this rebellious child is going to rise up against father and mother and the church and ultimately against Jesus Christ Himself. How many are the days? How many are the days that we must hear sad announcement after sad announcement from the pulpit? How many are the days where there will be a shortage of ministers and teachers throughout our churches and beyond? How many, O Lord? In addition, we must understand that faith in God does not mean that we no longer care about justice and about righteousness. Strength of faith does not mean that if I am being persecuted, that I may never hope 
for deliverance from those that persecute me. The psalmist, we said, relinquished his own desire to seek judgment against those who persecuted him. But this does not mean that the psalmist forgot about righteousness and about justice. He still was concerned about that. When wilt thou execute judgment on them that persecute me? Faith. What faith does is it acknowledges the difficulties of the present while turning to God in the midst of the trial. That's faith. It's not weakness to confess that there are grievous burdens that God has placed upon us as individuals, as families, as a congregation, and as a denomination. But faith turns unto the God who is able in the midst of the trial. Faith, exemplified by Daniel's three friends as they walked into the midst of the fiery furnace, confident that God would uphold them even in that moment. Faith, it's a Spirit-filled, Spirit-worked response of humility and contentment with the ways of God for me. Faith gives unto us to know that we are in a relationship with God. Earlier we spoke about the fact that The psalmist David acknowledged he was God's servant. How many are the days of thy servant? But to stop at that point and leave it just at servant would be to do an injustice to what the Bible teaches about God's relationship with us. We must advance from simply confessing that we are God's servants to confessing we are God's friend servants. What a thought that God is my friend. That God for Jesus' sake takes me into His covenant, into His family, into His home, and showers down upon us blessings that He alone is able to give. Yes, I am God's servant, but I also am His friend, servant. That's the confidence of faith. 
But we have not yet explained what precisely it was that the psalmist wanted here. What is the meaning of this inquiry? How many are the days of thy servant? Did David have some perhaps unrealistic expectations that God was going to give him a miraculous revelation about how long David was going to remain on this earth? David hoped that God would give him to know what day he would die, so then he could set his eyes on that day and prepare for that day. Even the children understand that cannot be the meaning of this inquiry. He wasn't asking here for God to give him some sort of a special vision so that he could know the future. What we must understand is that in the deepest sense, this question is asking is this, how long until Jesus Christ comes? That's the question. How long until Jesus Christ comes? Until Jesus Christ comes on the clouds of glory, the church will remain on this earth as a servant. And for as long as the church remains upon this earth as a servant, there will be suffering and there will be persecution. And so the cry of this text, as we as New Testament saints take this cry as our own plaintiff request unto God, we are asking God, how long, Lord God Almighty, until Jesus Christ comes on the clouds of glory? How long until Thy suffering servants, Thy church upon this earth, will be taken off of this broken and crooked earth and brought to the perfection that awaits in heaven. How long, Lord God Almighty, dost Thou not avenge the blood of the saints who were martyred for the sake of Jesus Christ? How long, Lord God Almighty, will we have to wait until our elder brother comes to take us and bring us into the heavenly mansion that he has shaped for us? The cry of this text is a holy anticipation for the return of Jesus Christ. We might say that the cry of this text is this. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. May God grant us patience as we await the return of Jesus Christ. Patience does not mean we do nothing Patience is not indolence. It's not mindlessly twiddling our 
thumbs. It's not becoming busybodies in one one another's affairs. But patience is actively persevering in the post that God has given us to occupy for as long as Jesus Christ tarries. We are given the ability to be patient knowing that the days are limited. How many are the days of Thy servant? God knows because God has from all eternity determined the number of days that His church will remain upon this earth. The New Testament Scriptures teach us that for the elect's sake, the days will be shortened. That Jesus Christ comes And He comes quickly. May we with childlike faith and dependence upon Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior wait His return. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, how great Thou art and greatly to be praised. Thou art the eternal and the unchanging God. A thousand days are in Thy sight as an evening gone by. And in comparison, how short is our time upon this earth. A breath, a sigh, at best, is man. Come, Lord Jesus, Come quickly. Amen.